Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. This show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters, classic FPS games, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. These are the players, the developers, the streamers, the influencers. It is the will of the drowned god, Cathala, that our communities band together in her cathedral to frag and give one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, 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 alright. This is a long episode, so I'm not going to talk for very long before we get to the interview, but I do want to introduce our guest. His name is Shazik. If you haven't heard of him, I feel very sorry for you because he is incredible. He's a very, very intelligent guy who has already established himself as one of the top analysts in Quake Champions and most of the arena shooter community at this point. He's he's a young dude. He's talked to the best of the best. Go check out his show, Beyond Strafe Jumping, on YouTube. It is incredible. I mean, I can't say it enough. Like, How could a guy like this uh, end up where he is right now as uh, you know the premier interviewer of Quake Champions pros and people who contribute to the community in general? I'm honored to have had him as a guest, and I hope that you enjoy listening to him speak. Because if you listen to his show, you really don't get to see him talk too much. He's more of a, a straight, you know, interviewer type. He asks a lot of questions. He's a very curious dude. And I'm honored to give you this opportunity to kind of get in Shazik's head a little bit more than we usually get to see. So with that said, I will drop a few plugs here. Remember that the Patreon goal for getting some In The Keep t-shirts made to give to you guys, is up. If you decide to donate to that, you will probably, most likely, absolutely, I don't know, you'll get a free t-shirt if you donate, for sure. And then, also, there are the other ways to donate. You can find all of that on our website, inthekeep.com. Please go check it out. You can also find, on that website, links to all of the ways to listen to the show. So if you're listening right now on YouTube, keep in mind that you can get it on your phone, on like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever the hell you use. It's probably there and. If not, you know, we could probably get it working for you. Music this week is by our good friend Igrax Simon once again. He came in clutch and hooked us up with some great freaking music, so enjoy it as we get into the interview and check him out on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get in the keep with Shazik. I am a Quake Champions video editor and journalist. So I host a Beyond Strafe Jumping uh, YouTube series where I talk about esports and most of the esports scene of Quake Champions with players, casters, content creators. And also, yeah, I try to make it a bit broadened around the, the area FPS, but mostly centered on, on Quake Champions. And I've also done a bunch of frag movies, some trailers from Four Seasons Gaming and a community montage for the or slash Quake subreddit, which I am a moderator of. Yeah. Uh, the frag movies are really interesting. I, I always enjoy at the end of the year when we get the big, you know, this the Beyond Strafe Jumping Quake. It's the QC Reddit community frag movies. Is that that's what you call them? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those so are. I've, I've only done one. 
And there, there were a lot of people asking, I mean, not all people, but it was like, it's my most successful frag movie to date. Yeah. And there are some people that, that asked me if I could, could do another one and to which I, I often responded, I would love to do another one, but I feel like I want to take the, the level higher than, than the first episode. Uh, and I feel like to, to that, I need to have demos, which is something that a lot of people complain about that frag movies in, in Quake Champions feel a bit uh, more amateur, I guess, because it is uh, most of the time just some uh, Twitch Twitch clips, basically, rest, and you don't get like the full freedom that you have with demos, just like you you had Quake Live in the level of editing that, that you had in it. So so I, if we do get demo at some point, because it, it's been said that we were, we'll, be, we'll have them like sync has been saying this for like two years now or so so if we ever actually get the demo system in quake champions i would definitely do a, a new one because working with stream clips is like super frustrating like you often get some really shit quality clips like some 720p 30 fps clips that you can't really do much you've got the overlays on top of it and so yeah and it also like you can also get a big quality change between the clips like you've got some people playing in low some people playing in ultra and going from one quality to the other feels much less seamless than you would have with with demos. Yeah, that's it. Probably a fundamental issue that we're always going to face with Quake Champions is just that, that there's not that support. But to be fair, the way that you do the videos, where it's like uh, you'll you'll just show one person's perspective for a while, it'll be like this is Vanger, okay, and this is um, Zoot or something like that, and you see their stream. So at least for the duration of their part, the quality will remain relatively close to the same. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So during the during the clip. So yeah, also also when you do like for example, um Flux Media, probably like he's the one who does the uh it's a channel run by Zero QL, which is a guy who made a bunch of frag movies in Quake Live and also did a bunch of frag movies in Quake Champions, and a good friend of mine that I, I got to work with. Mm-hmm. So he's done a bunch of frag movies and he's done some frag movies for players. He's done one for uh Vanger, I think he's done two for Toxic. And yeah, when when you do one for a player, I feel like it's less of a problem because like you know you get the same overlay you get the same uh you get the same video quality and it's not like whenever there's a new clip you're like oh what's the overlay like you know so like it's less distracting it's never going to be as cool as like the old school like quake world and cpma videos where you can go and zoom out all these different angles get the top down Mm. because it's all just first person's perspective of the frags yes yes and so basically what we can do uh, it's like recreate some of the scenes. I mean, uh, yeah, Z- Zero QL does that in, in his frag movies. And where he's like, you know, but it's like really, it's kind of like what people would do, I think, in in other console games, like maybe Halo or Call of Duty, or you would have to like recreate the scene, recreate the angle, mm-hmm. make sure that you got the, the, the right skins on it, which can be quite fun, but also quite tiresome and definitely don't have as much freedom as actually having the, the proper action, being able to do all those crazy cinematic shots with it. But Maybe we will. Maybe we'll we will have it one day. Like, I really don't know. I mean, but it would definitely it would be great for the game. That is for sure. Because that way, people. I feel like whenever a game has a demo system, it encourages people to actually make frag movies. Yeah. And since also the level of quality will be a lot higher thanks to all the cinematics, uh, thanks to the fact that it will that like for example you can play in super low, just like most competitive players do, and then have your your demos in Ultra because Quake Champions looks absolutely stunning in Ultra, and that way you can have like some really beautiful frag movies. You can also remove the HUD on, on most uh, replay systems, and yeah, I will get something like much more crisp. And and this type of content, this type of really like high-quality frag movies are exactly the type of advertising that a game like Quake Champions needs because, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a very fun game to watch. 
uh, and also when, when playing on the on high settings, like just all the the gore system that I guess a lot of pe- people turn off, also for performance and for cl- visual clarity. When you've got all that turned on with some really nice actions, it could make for some basically free advertisement that would yeah often get a lot of get a lot of people. It is. I don't know. It's a conundrum with Quake Champions. I'm not sure what we're going to see over time. And mm. and it, a lot of people have kind of lost or are losing faith. It's it's really frustrating to talk about because I never want to say anything to the effect of like, oh, I hate this game, which I don't. I love that. I wouldn't be playing Quake at all or any of these games if Quake Champions hadn't like re-sparked my interest into them. Uh, however, mm. we're, we're we're watching the trend as it happens. The Quake Pro League seems to have uh, sparked a little bit more interest back into it, and I'm really excited about that. And what I'm kind of interested in talking to you about is because you have a pretty unique perspective, or at least compared to some, in that you, Quake Champions was your first Quake game. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, that, that is correct. Yes. And so to, to be accurate, so to talk about, about my background, um, so my first PC FPS game, because I, I used to play on console, I used to play a lot of Call of Duty uh, Black Ops One, MW Three, BO Two. Those are the like my first proper, like first time that I really played um, multiplayer FPSs. Uh, then I played a bit of Battlefield as well, Battlefield Four, and then I got into PC uh, because yeah, my my, my godfather works in the uh, PC industry, and he was like, yeah, if you want, I can get you this PC for like dirt cheap. I was like, yeah, why not? Why not try it? And I, and I I was like, all right, so I want to I want to try this game out. I want to try this PC. I want to see. Like what's it, it's capable of, and I was like, which game is free that has good graphics that I can download to to like try it? And so I remember this game called Tribes of Sand, which is a a reboot of the Star Chiefs Tribe series, which is like a very old school FPS series. Which is like it was one of the first uh, high scale um, FPS game. Star Chiefs, like I don't I don't think it was the first, but like definitely one of the first. Mm-hmm. Some very high player count, like in the twenty. I think I think like. Tribes 2 has had servers like 62, uh, 64 players in the early 2000s or so. I'm really not sure about the dates. I'm sorry. But it, it was a bit of a revolutionary franchise. And yeah, we did a reboot by Harry Studio uh, in 2012. And I, I played that game a bit when uh, quite early uh, around, around its release. And I was like, yeah, well, I want to download it again just to see like, what this PC is capable of. And yeah, I was like, oh, damn, this game is so fun. And I didn't remember it was that fun. And so I played it a lot for like two straight years and it's 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 on this game that was like for the first time part of a community is also uh, with this game that i started uh video editing and doing uh, frag movies because i had been a bit a big uh, fan of frag movies like the good old call of duty faith clan frag movies and like one day i will i will make my own frag movies as well and i got to do that with with, with tribes of sand and and yeah after so tribes of sand also well the devs abandoned the game very early i think probably after one or two years of support they abandoned it uh, because Smite was was uh, was on the rise, and Smite was making a lot more money because it was like all the the mobile hype. Yeah, and so it had abandoned tribes. So all the people left as well. Um, and so after a few years, they came back and they brought a, a few updates, which like I would do boot updates, which were very a lot of people complained about those updates. Uh, and that's also around the time I got back. And so after a while, they abandoned the game again, and I decided to also leave because I felt like I was kind of stuck because like there were almost no new players, just people in a community very like dwindling very very slowly, a very slow bird. And uh, so I was like, yeah, like we'll, we'll want to check out some new games. And I remember seeing a, a trailer 
uh, for Quake Champions was the it was a whole bit of raw gameplay uh, where you had Zero Four playing as Anarchy uh, on Blood Covenant, and it was like, wow, this game looks so fun! It's so fast! It seems so skill. It's like oh, I want to try. It's going to be free to play as well. So yeah, I got to play a bit around it, and I yeah, and I, I really liked the game and found it really fun. It was like it brought me that 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 vibe that I kind of had with with, uh, with Tribe of Sand, which is fast gameplay and projectile weapons and so getting those meters which is something that i absolutely loved and and yeah i got around to playing this game and what i really liked was also in which what i still do and like the most about quest champions is the esports scene which is really de- developed in a way that absolutely wasn't with tried to send you had basically no esports scene. i mean you had it for a few years but it was never the scale we never had lands pretty much whereas you got some really big tournaments for for Quake champions which is what i what i love the most just it's honestly my, my favorite game to watch. I don't. I honestly don't play Quake Champions that much, but just watching the game, I, I can spend weekends just following a tournament and pretty much watching almost every single game. Uh, I enjoy pretty much anything where I can see and, and understand because I come from you know Quake background anyway. So watching high level Quake players play Quake is like that to me is like I assume that's what it feels like to football fans. You know when they watch mm-hmm. if they're really into football and they get to see like. The, because I watch football, I don't understand what the hell is going on 90% of the time. I'm like, okay, it looks like they tackled him. But like to these uh, big fans of it that enjoy the strategy of, okay, so the coach told them to go this way and they had a you know a play that they did and enacted and they can really understand that from a bigger scale. That's what Quake feels like, uh, to me at least, mm-hmm. especially in, in duels because it's mono and mono. That's, there's no, no one else is controlling it. It's just depending on these two guys to go head to head. And it's a brain battle. It's more like chess than it is like anything else. You know, you have to have the reaction time. You have to have all the skill and everything, but whatever ultimately it comes down to is who can outsmart the other guy if they're both playing optimally. So absolutely. with, with that said, what, what inspired you to just like start doing this podcast and really like you became like this kind of juggernaut of the, the Quake Champions community out of nowhere and you're a pretty young guy too, younger than me even. And I get that people are always like, You're so young, dude, but shit, found you now. I can well, he's the baby, not me. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So yeah, the the story of how I started this uh this interview series. So yeah. So basically I am a big fan of foreign. And in, as you probably know, he's on a bunch of interviews. He's on a his reflection series where he mm-hmm. talks to players from mostly CS:GO, but also League of Legends, Dota, and also he's done some episodes of Quake. So he's done some uh, interviews with you know Quake legends like Vu, Dehang, Rafa, who was uh, Machiavelli, Fresh, Fatality. He's done pretty much all, all of the major names, and I and I absolutely love listening to those interviews. And so, yeah, I think it was pretty much last year. That's when I started the interview. So I, I was I was <laughs> sitting in a train station listening to his uh, Reflections episode with Vu, where they, they were talking about his history, you know, with Painkiller, uh, with uh, CPMA. And also they were talking a bit about recent Quake Champions stuff. So I think that that interview was like uh, maybe a few months after the Quake Champions uh, 2017 QuakeCon, you know, a World Championship. So they were talking about all this, like the, the history of the player and also the more recent stuff. I was like, man, this is amazing. I, I'm finding, I love it so much. And I, I really loved, because this is all the thing that I wasn't part of this. I wasn't part of the, the painkiller era. I never got to, to really witness it because I was too young and also not really interested in PC games at the time. 
And so I was like, I am discovering this thing. I'm discovering this era, all this glorious history. Even though you know, like I wasn't part of it, I am discovering it. I found I found it absolutely beautiful in a way. And also the fact that those interviews talk about a history that that is pretty much 10 years or so after what happened, after even sometimes even 15 years. Um, it's like the players have a lot of, uh, how can I say this, recall on it? I'm not sure what the term in English for, for it will be. Yeah, recall is fun. Yeah. Recollection. Yeah, like, it, yeah. Yes, pretty much. And so uh, it's less, you know, like they have less pride in a way because we don't really care about what happened anymore. So if they don't mind like sharing some secrets that otherwise they would have been too ashamed uh, to to do uh, to share, or um, they don't, they don't want to, they don't really care about keeping some secret strategies about the game. So you get to learn some really nice stuff, and at the same time, we also talk about more recent things with players that that still play, such as Vu, uh, which at the time was one of the greatest uh, quick chances player that we had. And, and so uh, I was like, I would love to have the same thing, but also get to hear more about Quake Champions because Quake Champions having some really big tournaments, is having some, some legends coming back, and at the same time, a bunch of new bloods, a bunch of great players with a lot of potential that are. You know, having this clash between like old generation, old school, new school of Quake Champions, which is one of the uh, like the most valued esports scene, and I was like, nobody is really talking about it because foreign. In all those interviews, he was pretty much only talking uh, about Quake Live mostly, which is what what he seemed to have followed the most. Um, and yeah, very little talk about Quake Champions. And even when, when there was some interviews, I think like there was one with Rafa quite recent, and they didn't talk much about Quake Champions. I was like, this is a shame because it really seems like. At least at the time, Foreign was had no interest in Quake Champions, and so I was kind of disappointed. And and since nobody was you know, like having this in depth um, esports content for Quake Champions, I was like, why not just do it myself? Uh, and so the very first time I did an interview was at uh, ESWC 2018. Uh, so yeah, just just last year at uh, the Paris Games Week. So it was, yeah, I think it was in September. September? No, I'm not, I'm not too sure exactly, but it was, yeah, I was playing in September or so at this time of the year. Uh, you know, we had a little Quake Champions tournament at the Paris Games Week, which is like the biggest gaming convention that, that we have in France. And they had a, it wasn't that big of a tournament, but they had some really big names on it. They had, they had Claws, they had Cooler, they had Razy, uh, and a bunch of uh, French guys. And yeah, there was a pretty, pretty nice tournament that happened there. And it was like, yeah. I study in Paris. It's right next to my place, so I'm going to go there and get to see the matches. And if I can, I'll get to talk to the players. So I had to prepare some questions of like I'll I'll try to get to talk to the players, just like I had in in some of the previous tournaments that I went to. Because I also went to DreamHack Tours and the uh, SWC 2017. I had gotten to talk to the players, but at the time I wasn't really interested in doing interviews. So it was just like very casual. How are you doing? Uh, how are you feeling? Talk not really. And so I was like, I want to do a proper interview because the thing is. Since Quake Champions isn't that big of a game, whenever you go to a tournament, the, the players are very accessible, especially in France, where Quake is not that de- developed. So th- those guys, like even if you take Rafa, Rafa would just walk around DreamHack tours and pretty much nobody would recognize him. Whereas if it had been some of the the, the French CSGO players, everybody would just like jump on in, on them and be like, ah, okay, can you sign my T-shirt and all? So since they're not that famous, yeah, because of the... Because Quake's not that famous, also because it's not that developed in France. Very, you can just go up to them and like talk to them, and they'll be really nice. And like some, some of them would be like super flattered. I remember um, talking to Faze uh, in 2017. He was like, uh, asked if I could take a picture of him. It's like he was super flattered. It was the first time in his life that somebody had asked if 
they could take a picture of him. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I want to take advantage of it. I wanted to get to talk to the players. And so I had this big list of questions. And I got to interview Garpy, Razy, and also Naiko. Uh, and I had prepared some very in-depth questions about like the meta, uh, about how the game is, about the map pools. Uh, and I, and I, yeah, I really wanted to make this uh, the type of content that people that watch a lot of Quake Champions would uh, appreciate. And not just the very basic stuff like, how are you feeling? How do you think this tournament is going to go down? What are your thoughts on the game? I really want to go like balls deep inside the, the strategy uh, and, and their approach to the game. And I found their answers to be fascinating, especially Razies. And it was, it was crazy. It was, I mean, it kind of makes sense now we think about it. But at the time, I was super surprised to see that those players, the way they see the game, the way they approach the game is so different than the way us casuals do. Because those guys spend hours upon hours every day grinding the game, trying to discover everything that they can, trying to always see what is the, the most, the, the best champion for which situation, for which map, what is the best approach, how can I make this even more efficient, you know? Always trying to discover things. And so they know the game so well. And so there are a lot of things that, that they see that, that we don't. And, and yeah, I, I thought that, that that was like really like so interesting. I had a lot of that. Had a lot of fun doing this. I was like, why not just start an interview series? So I got to talk about with Nico, who's the uh, the number one Quake Champions player the, in France. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I want to do it? And he he recommended that I do it with, with Sirius. And so I got to interview Sirius. And I was like, yeah, I really enjoy it. People seem to enjoy it. Even the players are seem to be really happy to get to talk about all this because they have a lot of this wealth of knowledge about Quake Champions that they have, and that they have basically no no outlet, no way to yeah. share it with others. And so I was like, I want to be that outlet. I want I want to get to talk to those players and, and that way they can say some really interesting things that, that people will probably find interesting, that I, I find interesting, so that I thought people would find interesting as well. Now, I, I think it's really important to note that most of these guys are just people. Actually, all of them are just people just like us that are really obsessed with this game. Most of them have really great attitudes. I've not met a single one who hasn't, honestly. Who plays at a top tier? Now there are definitely some scumbags on the way up, but once you get to that top tier, it's mostly like really cool, respectable people. And and you're right, there's not a lot of coverage about Quake champions in general, so or or really Quake in general anymore. Mm-hmm. So the what little opportunities they get, especially to have a an in depth interview, because what what happened before podcast was you know just like these typical like you know the press would come by and be like, oh, so how are you feeling today? Like you said or uh, what, what do you? How do you think the tournament's going to play out today? Like, and there weren't really educated uh, people on the subject, or the alternative would be that they they didn't have the time to get into what really mattered to them. Whereas podcasting, like what you and I do, uh, they have an opportunity to like get an hour. I, I don't care. I'll sit here literally and talk to someone as long as they want to talk. Sometimes. And, and and occasionally I'll go off the air like all right the podcast is over I don't want to take up any more of your time and then we end up having another hour long conversation I'm like why didn't I keep recording but you meet some really interesting people and yeah, yeah. At, at the high level of of these kinds of games you meet some geniuses that that are almost intimidating to talk to I, I'm pretty good at you know accepting hey man I'm I'm not special <laughs> but to talk to I just talked to Devastation the other day who's like the Greatest Doom 2 player, potentially, of all time. He took Triple Crown Championships at QuakeCon. 
and I guess he'll probably be after you um, in the line of release for those who are wondering what the next episode is. But he's, um, I mean, he's like a genius. He's he could he could easily he probably is a rocket scientist and he has like a top secret clearance that I'm not allowed to know about or something, you know. And you like John Carmack, same thing. Like this guy is a veritable absolute genius who just so happened to put his time and effort into video games and made them great. And I find that amazing. Oh, so. Of these people that you've gotten to sp- uh, speak to so far, who do you think was the most impressive? And I could sure. I could list off a few. You don't have to like say this is my favorite person, but like wh- who is the hardest to chase down, maybe or anything. Like you talked to Zoot, DeHang, Machiavelli, Michael Markey, and I, I did want to say, dude, I don't ever get intimidated to talk to people, except for twice in my life. Once is when I met Vinny Paul, the drummer from Pantera, and I was shaking. The second time was at QuakeCon. I I walked up uh, hanging out with uh, the State of Quake guys, and Rafa was there who was signing something. Shit. And I was like, oh, hey, Rafa. What's up, man? I'm not going to bother you or anything. I wasn't nervous to talk to Rafa at all. But then I saw Machiavelli, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I got to shake. I shook his hand. Uh, dude, Machiavelli is so cool and personable, but like to me, he's such a big deal. I, I don't know why. I was just like, right. I got to shake Machiavelli's hand. And I shook his hand. I was like, I'm never going to wash this hand again. This is my this is my shooting hand. It's it's staying this way forever. It's greasy now. It's just I haven't washed it in like over a month. I'm kidding, but yeah. Who who was like particularly interesting? Who are some of your more interesting guests, or or at least people that you learned something from that you took away something well, big? Honestly, so I will give you an answer. But first of all, I want to say that all of them were like super interesting. Of course, because all of them have different experiences, different approach to the Quake franchise. Like for example. Uh, a caster like Flea will not tell you the same things because he doesn't have the same viewpoint as uh, a player like FaZe, for example. And uh, same for content creators. I feel like yeah, they all had some, some great ideas, some really interesting things to say. And, and they all give you a viewpoint of the of the scene. But I feel like the, 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 the one that I found was the most interesting to talk to... <sighs> it, it is a hard thing to say, but... Ah... I'm hesitating. I'm hesitating. You don't want to hurt uh, someone's feelings, or you can't choose. No. Yeah, it's either the hanger phase. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like the hang. What was really interesting about him is that he, like, he's honestly one of the best player deck uh, of Quake Champions. Uh, well, yeah, he he, he um, in sacrifice he got to play at a super high level. Um. Yeah, at the end of the sacrifice scene, they, they were the the number one team, uh, the team Liquid. And in 2v2, so yeah, with Rafa, they were they were for the entirety of 2v2 the undisputed champions of the game mode. And so having the yeah, the fact that um sorry, this experience is well quite amazing. Like, you know, when you're like at the absolute top, like you have mastered this game mode to a level that no other players except your teammate have. And that that is that is quite mind blowing. And also in duel, he well he he won Quake Champions Winter 2017, which is yeah a very high profile land. So he's basically one of the masters of the game. So he had some really interesting things to to say because of being that good. And and so my other uh, response to Phase, what I found really interesting with Phase was that he he had so much to say. He was very like since he's not that um, he's not that known okay, compared to uh, yeah the the top three Quake, cha- Quake players in the, the Legends. Also, he, he's he's new to the Quake, to the Quake team. Uh, as a competitive player, he 
didn't compete that much in um, in Quake Live, at least not to the level that he did in, uh, in Quake Champions. And so when you interview people that are not really used to uh, being interviewed, uh, such as FaZe, and it's like they will, they will really seize that opportunity that they're being interviewed, and they will tell you all that they can and all the stuff that it seems like they've had they've had on their mind for so long that they now only finally get to to share with others. And so, he, yeah, we had a really in depth talk uh, about two v two about and especially uh, the team aspect, basically like building a relationship with your team. And yeah, I remember him telling me that it's like in two v two. At the highest level, when you get to play love with somebody, it's like you're a couple, basically. Like you know each other so well, you you have to know each other perfectly if you want to succeed. And yeah, that, that was also that was also great. And even with Faze, like a fun fact, you know, we were talking about the fact that after an interview, you often get to chat with the with the person like off the uh, off camera. And, and I I sometimes do that as well. Like I, I try to have it as often as I can because I always find it interesting. But sometimes people like it. It's got to come by naturally, in, in in my opinion. I don't I don't ever want to force because I no. I feel like I'm always grateful that those people are giving me their time. So, but I'm just like, if they want to keep on talking, well, then bro, let's just sit there. Yeah, we're, all we're friends now. And, yeah, <laughs> and that that's what happened with Faze. Basically, we yeah we had a, probably one hour and a half interview, which was at my time the longest, and then we had after that another hour and a half uh, of just talking, and we were both so tired. Uh, because you know, he he probably had some job, and I had already interviewed Vanger on the same day, I think, and so I was I was really sorry. It was it was quite late, but we just kept on talking and talking, and it was it was really fascinating. He's just he's an amazing lad, great guy, and and also yeah, he's got really good English, so that always helps. Like when the, the other person has good English, I mean, it does it does make a, a huge difference. It was just it was so nice getting to to, to talk to him, and yeah yeah, honestly, like coming to think of it, I would probably say yeah, face was the was the number one actually <laughs> I don't, it's really interesting um how you you kind of meet all these different people from a podcaster point of view and then sometimes you it's like i have an excuse like I, otherwise this person wouldn't talk to me other yes. than yeah if i yes, were absolutely yeah so then you, you're like hey would you like to do this interview and they're like yeah sure why not for whatever reason they say yes to that and it, it could be a plethora of different reasons and then you get to talking to them, and like you, I, honestly, like I feel like Loctar is my buddy. Like I could probably go crash at his house if I wanted to, and <laughs> nice. and that's incredible to me. Like I, I can't believe that I've formulated this um this way to create relationships and to meet people that, like I said, otherwise wouldn't want to speak to me. And I was curious, like, do you ever get that feeling, or has that ever happened in any way with Beyond Straight Jumping? So here's here's the thing. I don't know if it's exactly what you're asking, but I, I don't think I ever told this like on the air in the episode or anything but the interviews i do i only do them for myself <laughs> yeah uh, like honestly if nobody would watch my episodes i would not really give a shit to be honest as long as people would be down to talking to me yeah it's it's just all this it is just an excuse i mean i, mean, I am exaggerating but but to a certain extent it's pretty much this interview is pretty much just an excuse for me to get to talk to people that i want to talk to that's exactly <laughs> how i feel all, all, the, all this super valuable information that i find absolutely fascinating that I, that is just like honey to my ears basically getting getting to hear the, the highest profile quake quake players the casters content creators getting to talk about but what they love and just yeah i felt like it's not the case for my frag movies for my frag movies if nobody would watch them i would 
probably stop making them honestly because it, it's a lot more effort and i guess that like when i do a frag movie i want to see i want to show people what i am capable of uh as an editor and i want i want people to enjoy it you know uh like, whereas with interviews like i'm really happy that people like it honestly that is not something i take for granted and yeah i'm glad that that, that i am how can i say this giving people this uh this pleasure i mean this fun that uh that i have when i watch for foreign talk about quake with, with people i'm like i i find it super fun listening to foreign talk about quake with uh high profile players i'm like if i get to share that with others as well then i'm, I'm really grateful about it but but deep down it is pretty much just me wanting to to talk to those players and and this outlet the podcast allowing me to to do so but but what makes your show good in my opinion is the that that i think that's exactly why it's so good is that you're not just some interviewer who's trying to get views it's you come across as genuinely curious like you seem like you really you. care you about what you're so asking curious. yeah and that that's huge for people because people in this day and age in 2019 like they crave authenticity uh that we don't really get from the mass media at all in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really nice to see two people have a genuine conversation, which is I think that is why podcasting has become such a big outlet for people mm-hmm. is simply because you don't get to hear all the there's no commercial break, there's no reason for them to be here other than they want to be and all that sort of thing. It's not a it's not a huge like money making endeavor. I mean I'm sure at the higher level when you're talking about like Joe Rogan, he's probably getting flooded with people all the time. He's like, oh man, I just made a new thing and I really want to be on your show and you can like but Joe Rogan gets to talk, you know, three hours to anyone he wants to, essentially. And people enjoy that because Joe Rogan comes across as someone who genuinely is curious. Yes. And it's casual. They're, like, smoking weed, drinking in his, <laughs> in his warehouse studio and everything. And yeah. There's, there's no also, censorship. On the casual thing, also, I forgot to say this, but what's kind of funny is you probably had the same experience as well with the people that you interview. That you get to talk with, I wouldn't say the word interview because you, you you don't really like describing. Your oh, it's okay. It's an interview. Show, it's... interview. <laughs> so after when you get to talk to people off the off the record, off the mic, uh, cameras turned off. That is the most important. That, that is the most interesting part of the interview, actually. And so I have I've had, the number of times I was talking to a player and, and and got a great interview, and then you know like. The, it's done and all, and we just get to talk because there's a good vibe. And at some point, the, the player asks me, or a player, I'm saying player, but it, I've interviewed a bunch of people that are a player, so like the, the person asks me, are you still recording? And I'm like, this person is going to give me something really interesting. And so, yeah, I, I never record this part because I just, like, the, it wouldn't make sense, you know, like that person is being honest with me and telling me some some stuff that they would not want to be shared. Mm-hmm. Just because we feel like sharing, so I, I of course never share it, and of course never record it. But yeah, I, in the the post interview part of people that that I get to talk with, like Vivi often <laughs> says some really interesting stuff that that is really quite fascinating here. And and also it's like since people since it's not recording as well, like people are just so much more chill. Like for example, you'll have people. I mean, it's my case as well. Like especially in my first episode, I would be like, I mean, yeah. So you guys are not going to see the video feed, but I would be super, uh, shit, how do you say, like, 
I don't know. Would you, do you guys hate this in English? In French, with an expression um, saying that, uh, yeah, it's probably the same expression, sorry, which is avoir un bâton dans le cul, which means uh, to have a, a broom up your ass. Do you say this yeah, in English yeah. as well? We don't say yeah, it to have a broom up your ass, but we definitely have similar stick yeah, up your right. he's got a stick up his ass like that a kind stick of thing. Up, yeah there you go stick right yeah. so yeah i would often have like a stick up my ass during the the, the interview part and then i would be like super chill just like yeah, just <laughs> you're grabbing a drink you know? yeah there you go. just like your, your hands on your head uh just chilling and, and yeah it's the same for the person that i get to interview very much more chill and uh, when you start recording and that is when basically the most interesting parts <laughs> Well, the fact that you do it on video is also part of it. I think uh, I, yes. I I pretty much never do it on video because I I would much rather have someone who is calm and relaxed and feels comfortable than I would have a video of someone who's just like uh, like nervous the whole time or just yeah. Yeah, maybe not nervous but just generally like aware all the time that they're being recorded. Mm, um, absolutely, yeah, it, it does it does make a big difference, definitely. Yeah. That's something I <laughs> yeah, like, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to say like that. I, for example, I'd be like super conscious about my hair. Like, is my hair looking fine? Yeah. And uh, as you were saying, like <laughs> before the interview, like not picking my nose and all, all this, all this stuff. Like, make sure that I that I look extra good. And and yeah, like it, it does. It is indeed a bit of an extra pressure. Have extra pressure. Sorry, having the video. But I feel like it also helps people. Like, because a lot of like sometimes you've got people that don't really know what the person looks like, mm-hmm. the person is. And I feel like when you get to see the face of someone. And you get to see like their facial emotions, you know, all that. I feel like it does help you bond with the person uh, even more than 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 just the voice. No, I, I prefer, uh, as always, I've had a few that weren't, but I prefer to have the webcam on so that at least we can see each other and kind of like go off of you know physical responses to things. If you're like yeah. nodding instead of speaking, like I want that to be there, but. I don't want to publish someone who isn't comfortable having themselves yeah. published. And and there are a lot of you have the the benefit of a lot of your guests are more more famous people who mm. are comfortable being on camera, have have spoken to the media before. Uh many of my guests that I dig pretty deep into these like small communities and try to expose them. And a lot of these people are really not comfortable being recorded, they've never done it before, they or they're just nervous you know, private people and I feel like there's value in both. Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. And you've been doing it a little bit longer than me too. So you've like you've built quite an audience, man. You've what, fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know, <laughs> like, thanks. It's, I mean, it's impressive. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Th- thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that. Yeah. The the thing is, Quake Champions is without a doubt uh, out of a- every air, air, air arena FPS that has come out, uh, the one with the most traction, because it's the one that Bethesda is giving money to. So. Yeah, I feel like by concentrating on Quake Champions, even though it wasn't a choice, as in like Quake Champions is the most famous one, I will make content for it. Uh, but like ultimately, Quake Champions system, yeah, the Rune FPS with the most traction. So that that is why it probably gets more views because, yeah, like, your content is just as good as mine, probably even better, honestly, on, on some aspects. And, and which is also something that I really like, find quite amazing about what you do is that you, you really get to talk about even the, the games that, are much less known, you know, like uh, games like Open Arena, upcoming games that that don't get all the the, the hype that Diabolical does, like for example, Master Arena as well. Like, yeah, the fact that like it is really nice because honestly, a lot of people that I get to interview are already very famous. Yeah, and and it's more about like getting allowing people to get a 
more, how can I say this, genuine uh, look at this person and like getting to know them, not just as somebody who's crazy with the LG, but also as a human being, uh, you know? Yes. And I feel like what you do is more just like getting those people on the spotlight. Uh, so I feel like I'm trying, like, so I, I study literature, I study English, and so that's why I can like uh, having images to explain what I, what I, what I say. Uh, but I, I feel like what I'm doing is more uh, allowing people to have a better look at the person already on spotlight. Whereas I feel like what you do is actually putting the spotlight on the person, which is actually more difficult because that person is less known. And so you will have less people coming for that person, which I think is also, yeah. yeah. I feel like <laughs> we'll get, really, really nice, actually. we'll get more into that in your interview. But what I'll say is that my master plan here is that I'll, I'll you said earlier, like I do this for myself. I do this a because I really want to talk to these people, and B because I I feel it like as my responsibility, and I don't know why I have no reason to feel this way except for the drowned god Cathala forces me to. <laughs> but uh, it is my intention that when I talk to someone like like a you know master arena dev or an open arena guy or something like that, these lesser known games that I feel are very cool and should should get more exposure than they do. Yes, I will do that interview, and I will probably have the best time of my life doing that interview. And then when I do get like an Andrew Holschult on the show, and someone's like, "Whoa, this show is really cool," and they hit that subscribe button, I'm hoping later on they go back and they hear these smaller interviews and they're like, "Wow, that I think it's all synergistic." In fact, my motivation to, to reach out to you is like, I want to be on Beyond Strafe Jumping because hopefully that'll bring more attention to not just not me, but like these people who I have a lot of in- investment in. This is a big opportunity, you know, to ha- to like to speak to you is is actually really cool. And anyone in the Quake community who doesn't want to speak to you is probably a moron because you're doing a vast amount of service to a lot of people who really need, or maybe not need, but want that exposure. And it, it only benefits the game to have someone like you doing what you're doing, man. Mm. Well, thank you, thank you. It's also it's quite funny because I had some some people because I feel like whenever I do an interview, I want it. To be good, I mean that 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 is kind of obvious in pretty much every single person that does any single type of content can pretty much say this. But like, I don't want to interview someone if I don't feel like I'll have enough questions and if I don't feel like I'll have enough to talk about, you know. And and so actually, I I never do honestly. I feel like I always find questions. Like whenever I I have got somebody and like, yeah, sure, I'll do an interview. And like, I just sit down for like thirty minutes and like so many ideas of so many topics, so many questions that I find you to, to ask the person and yeah, but i've had some people that like showed interest in being interviewed and like not not proper ask but like yeah show interest in, and i'd be like i'm not sure like uh yeah i don't kind of i guess i'm just a bit afraid of having somebody on the show and making the person look not as interesting as those high profile people you know no i don't don't think of it that way i fundamentally disagree with that philosophy man it, right. it you're you're thinking of it again. This is why I don't like to use the word interview too too much because just have a conversation, just relax and see where it goes. Cause most people, especially if they're willing to come talk on a podcast are going to have a lot to say. And sometimes you just, sometimes it's just kick back, let them talk. Sometimes it's like you kind of lead the conversation where you want it to go and you let them kind of take off from there. It could be 30 minutes in, maybe you've run out of questions. I've do, I run out of questions all the time, but they'll, They'll say something and I'll be like, huh, you know, really make eye contact, really look into what they're saying. And then you'll find something else like, oh, that sparked my curiosity. Maybe we'll go down that route. You know, 
it, it would be okay. It wouldn't be a problem. You'd be fine. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. There's no need for it. Just I'm serious. I drink while I'm doing the podcast all the time because it's just like let's relax. I hope that the other guys like having a drink or if they smoke weed or whatever. I hope they do that because if they're gonna be more relaxed and they're gonna be like more open to having a a genuine heartfelt conversation about what their interests are. That's what I want to hear. And, and not just, not just the game. I want to get to know you as a person, which leads us to our next question. <laughs> what, what in your childhood made you such a curious person? If you had to like, it, it may be oh, shit. That, a that big thought. Person. Hmm. Oh man. It's like oh. Batman or the Joker. Not why so serious. Why so Honestly? curious? So I am somebody who self-analyzes a lot. Mm -hmm. I really want to get to know myself as well as possible. And I feel like by knowing myself well, I get to know other people better. And I guess I was quite shy when I was when I was younger. Uh, yeah, when I was like in middle school. And yeah, I didn't get to talk to much people, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be really honest. I wasn't very popular, like. Not a lot of people liked me. Not a lot of people wanted to talk to me. And so I was quite lonely, I guess. And so video game was like, yeah, it was basically an outlet where I could meet people, get to play online, have people not judge me, you know, based on who I was, based on my reputation, you know, and, and just basically just judge me on my aiming skills, basically on if I was capable of killing people, you know, like. Just, I feel like there's very something very genuine in the, the gaming community that like we don't really care what you look like, we don't really care who you are, we don't really care where you come from. We just care about are are you good at the game? You know, I feel like there's just something really good about it in that 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 yeah, explains why a lot of people find a a shelter in in gaming, and that was my case. And so I feel like so when I was in high school, I started uh, studying literature, and so because we have. Um, well, when you get in high school in France, you have to like choose. It's not the case anymore because they changed it. But by the time I was in high school, so just a few years ago, you had to choose um, if you wanted to study like you know science, if you wanted to study economy, or if you wanted to study literature. And so there were some other uh, fields like uh, if you wanted to work more on the professional side of things, like uh, it's a it's a big thing to explain. Basically, I was like, I want to study literature because I really like languages. And so if you want to study languages, you need to study literature. And so when I started studying literature, I discovered a, a world where I felt like people were much more accepting. And so I started feeling a lot better when I started, yeah, my literary studies into which I, I continue, in which I still am today. And I feel like it really allowed me to to open myself and meet people that, you know, more open-minded and don't and talk less bullshit, basically. I feel like a lot of people that I got to talk with in middle school, like, it was just a lot of bullshit, a lot of like the conventional stuff that you have to say. And I feel like I always felt like I want that person to tell me like who they are, what drives them, what makes them wake up in the morning. And so like, here, here's a fun fact. So what I would often do, and I still sometimes do is when I would meet someone, I would ask them a very unusual question. Like, do you like milk? So something uh, like, yeah, what makes you wake up in the morning? What, what's you, what makes you get up in the morning? Uh, something like, what is an invention in the future that you look forward to? You know, it's like some questions that go beyond like, what do you do? You know, and I feel like by asking those questions, I would get a good idea of who the person is, because that is a question that they're not really um, used to being asked. And yeah, basically, like allow me to know if that person is the type of person that 
likes having in-depth conversations, like honest conversations, uh, or if it's somebody that just like basically I don't know, like talking shit and not really talk about interesting things. And I feel like as I started doing this, I got to meet more and more interesting people, and it's just something that I yeah this is going really this is going really deep but do it uh, i love i love human beings i love yeah. human beings honestly I, I find them fascinating i find every like i love the fact that i get to talk to people and like for example i would go to uh to a party and i would get to just sit down with somebody and talk with that person and, and be like wow that that person is sharing with me their experience which is an experience that i haven't had and by them sharing with me that experience, I get to live something that I would otherwise would never have lived. And it's like, I don't know. I've always really, I've always been a curious kid, honestly, to, to go back to your question. And that, that extends to just talking with, talking with people and, and getting to, to know those people better. And I feel like I, I like, I enjoy feeling like I, I know somebody. It's, and I feel like I enjoy feeling like, the conversation I am having with somebody is uh, is genuine, you know, like they're being open with me. And so it's just something that I guess I try to create and something that drives me in, in my interviews. So here's an example of how I didn't prepare this question. I had no idea about this before the interview, but now I'm going to ask you a question just because it came up in conversation. Do that more. Okay. <laughs> um, so have you ever heard the phrase, uh, it's pretty common in English, they say people who... Most people live one life. People who read live a thousand lives. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So maybe your interest in literature comes from your your curiosity and that you you want to get to live all these experiences that you otherwise wouldn't get to do. We're going to see that yeah. change dramatically with VR. I mean, there's you know movies and video games and everything, but that's part of it is that you get to have experiences and do things that your normal life would never allow you to do. Mm. So. Yeah. That, that is true. What, what's like your favorite books? What, some literature you particularly enjoy? Authors? I want to know. I don't. I don't read that much, honestly. Like I enjoy reading, uh, but I feel like unless I kind of have to read, I don't really read. I just I spend a lot of time entering. But I I enjoy studying literature, which is strange. You know, a bit of a paradox. Yeah. Like, I I can I can imagine. And yeah, I love just reading into text uh, in class and right, trying to understand the deeper meanings and all but yeah my favorite books uh so when i was a kid i, I was a big fan of aragon if you the dragons the, uh, yeah 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 the dragons it's it's kind of like lord of the rings but more reason made by a younger kid and less known but yeah i really enjoyed the, the universe and also here's a fun fact so basically I, I i went to a bunch of summer camps in the u.s when i was uh when i was younger and that's how i got to to learn english uh because they were like proper american summer camps that where i was most of the time the only french kid and i remember uh feeling yeah feeling kind of homesick and missing french missing talking french with people and i remember reading aragon in french and be like finding uh rediscovering you know uh french in a way in a context where in a context where nobody uh nobody speaks it nobody everybody talks english and i'm the one making efforts to talk english because i am in in very country I mean, like finding, uh, yeah, what's again a shelter in this in this book that is written. Well, it wasn't. I think he's American, the, the right arm, I'm not too sure, but French definitely isn't his his first language, and so it, it is translated. But in reading this and stuffing in in French, I really felt like I was, uh, I don't know, enjoying French in a way that I hadn't before. No, that makes perfect sense. 
I spent like a year studying Arabic. Um, and oh wow, it, yeah, yeah, I remember you telling saying that interview. So what what was it like? Terrible, uh, absolutely awful. <laughs> Every moment of it was pain because the it was just a really hard school. It wasn't that I, I enjoy, you know, the ideas of Arabic, but. I've I've always kind of studied languages. I've not mastered any other language uh, aside from English, really. But you know, I studied French in high school. I studied uh, kind of Spanish through watching Breaking Bad, and also live in Arizona. So mm-hmm. most people around me speak Spanish a lot, and and then Arabic was kind of put on me by my job. Like I had to learn this language or else. Mm-hmm. So what was really interesting to me is kind of. When, when you learn another language, you begin to see how people say things differently than you say in your own language, and it makes you think about your own language differently. So I, I feel like I understand English far better than most people uh, that I'm surrounded by, simply because I can compare it to the structure of languages like French or Arabic. And English is a far more... I would say complicated language in that we have more words to describe things and we we have things like is. In Arabic, is is not a thing. It doesn't really come up. It's just you say the you say verb, noun, or verb and what it what it be, that not what it is. It is not this. It's little complex things like that. I, I was thinking the other day about the lineage. Uh, etymology kind of gets into my head a bit. Then in in English, people say the word dame or ma'am. We say ma'am a lot. Like, how are you yeah, doing, ma'am, to ma'am. an older lady? Yeah, yeah. yeah ma'am. Yeah. Dame is an old word. It's French and like old English for like the yeah. equivalent of a knight. In, okay. in American English, you would not call a lady a dame. That's like a what gangsters in the 1930s would call. That's like saying ho, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't say that. But the proper polite thing to do is say ma'am or mm. madam which is like my dame as in a married knight who has a dame yeah. it, it's so weird and complicated and like why did that happen why why is this the polite thing to say in one context or in one timeline totally wrong in a different one and a you know a position of grand i don't know uh just stature in society in a completely different time it's strange and I, i've always been interested in that so Learning languages really makes you think about the things that you say, I think, more than anything else. This is the second time on the podcast I've gone on a language tangent. <laughs> well, it is, it is interesting. I mean, languages are one of the most important things in this world. I mean, it, it is what allows us to yeah. have a, a conversation. And and yeah, there is there is so much to, to dig inside every single language. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's so much to say. And also the evolution of words, like how, how and the phonology. I mean, there's so much to say about so many hundreds of languages it's there, there, there's so much to it it is it's quite crazy and also like what's interesting with I me mean, is i feel like a part of me wishes that everybody that there was only one language because i feel like if everybody talked the same language there would be less wars it would be less conflict like everything would be so much easier esperanto or whatever but, yeah pretty much like where yeah. if like english were to take over and erase every single other language like probably would be really super nice super convenient but at the same time if like every single language has has a history and has uh and in a way like 
if you want to understand a country, you need to understand the language to, you know, and yeah, there's just so much to, to the history of every single languages to the origins. Like when you, when you dig inside French and you'll see that the words, a lot of the words come from Latin. Mm-hmm. And when you look into English, you'll see that a lot of words come from French, you know, there's just so much, so, so much things to, to look into. And yeah, no, I think, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but I feel like we're getting on a tangent that we can go to a different time. So let's get yeah. back to you. <laughs> All right. So what, what, what do you want to know? Um, I'm no, open. I want to talk about uh, one of my favorite episodes of beyond straight jumping is when you talk to Zoot. All right. Uh, yeah. Because I, I do a little bit of, I, I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to be better at casting. I do, I do this a lot with uh, some of the keeps things that we do. And for me, he was very insightful. You spent a lot of time like talking about what 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 makes you a great caster. What makes a great caster? Uh, what do you think of some of these new casters coming in? And he, he got to kind of break down different styles and his opinions on what you need and what you don't need and and techniques like uh, voice inflection. Ever since I heard that interview, I, I really took that into into internalized it into my head. Like, okay, when I'm speaking, perhaps. Think about more. Uh, how can how can my voice make this more exciting? Should I be a little bit quieter? And then as the as the tension rises, okay, he's coming around the corner, and it you know it, it, oh no, he shot him with a rocket right in the face. What an and that that kind of thing that you can learn from someone like Zoot or uh, Jahar has been on a couple of different podcasts that I've listened to. These are masters of their craft. And what's particularly interesting about like Jahar and Zoot is that they've been around for so long. Quake is basically the oldest esport. You could make an argument for Doom as well. Uh, you know, these are the first real competitive video games, especially first-person shooter video games. So these guys have a lot of knowledge that basically goes back to, for our purposes, the dawn of time. So, how how did you prepare for uh, talking to him? Because you came up with some really interesting questions that kind of caught me out of left field. Well, thanks. Yeah. So the, the Zoot interview, I was I was very anxious. Uh, uh, about the like, yeah, it's not even one of the first ones. It's probably the fifth or sixth. I'm not. I'm not certain, but it, it wasn't the first one, definitely. And and so I was very anxious about about this interview. And it's funny because I remember uh, I think it was like before the interview, we were just talking about, and he was like, yeah, and he told me that he was anxious. And so knowing that he was anxious made me a lot less anxious, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and because yeah, he, he's the thing is. The difference with uh, Zoot compared to other, to compared to the the players, for instance, is that Zoot is somebody that I spend hours upon hours listening to. It's someone I uh, I spend so long watching, you know, and and so it's even more ex- impressive rather than the player because like the player, you see him, the, the player play, but you don't really get to hear them as much, and so they it's, it's kind of weird to say, but they feel less important in a way, uh, they feel less grand, I guess. Compared mm-hmm. to to the caster, which yeah, Zoot is like is, is well, that the number one quick champions caster, and so that's why I guess I was so impressed. And we're going to question to like, how did I prepare for the interview? So I can't really give you an idea uh, a response specifically on Zoot, but I can tell you how I prepare for interviews. And yeah. the questions I ask myself is what are the things that this person can tell me that another person could not. What are the experiences that this person has had that others haven't? What makes this special? This person special? Those, those are the, the big questions that I ask myself. And, and so I'm like, this person, what? Yeah, like, 
I need to, this person has accepted to spend, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever with me. I want to make the most out of it. Yeah. I want to get as much juice, as much knowledge of this person as I can. And so I will find the questions that, yeah, are really like centered around what the person does and what they've known to, to really, yeah, get, get to get to have the, the best answers possible. And really, I want the person to feel like, how can I explain it? Uh, I want the person to feel like, to feel like I am allowing them to share the wealth of his, of her knowledge as much, um, as well as possible, basically. And so that's why I don't want to ask like crap questions. I really want to go into the, the details. And, and so with Zood, I feel like what was really interesting is the fact that he's had so much experience and the fact that he got to see the transition from Quake Lab to Quake Champions in a way that nobody has, because there are a lot of people uh, that, for example, did some stuff for Quake. Uh, like, for example, you know, Machiavelli, he was a, a top competitor in Quake 2 and Quake 3. Uh, and then kind of left the Quake scene and came back for Quake Champions. Uh, and so they also have some really interesting things to say because they, they, didn't, they didn't see the transition, which also is quite interesting, but Zoot absolutely did. Zoot never left. Uh, he, he, he was the number one caster for Quake Live, and he was immediately and still is the number one caster for Quake Champions. So he really got to see the evolution, he really got to see the changes. And also he knows the scene so well, he knows everybody, which also is quite a, yeah, amazing and so yeah i really wanted to i guess focus that on this during this interview on the the switch from quick life to to quake champions what about uh like michael markey was another one that i really enjoyed because it's a departure uh from your typical episode so that was difficult i know it probably was but why, why was yeah, it difficult yeah. what, what did you struggle it was with one of the most dif- difficult interview because so for those i don't know yeah definitely just first of all go go check out michael Walker. he goes check out what he does it's amazing he is a musician he he does music he he did music for a for a bunch of games uh he's gonna be making music for for diabolical as well i discovered him through the uh themes that he did for for different champions for, for quake champions which his music was used in a bunch of uh, quake champions tournament as well i mean what, what immediately comes to mind for me with michael markey is quake champions doom edition uh and I'm not a musician. I've never played an instrument. I, I know very little about music. I only know about music as somebody that enjoys listening to music on, on the train, basically. And so I felt like I want to have some questions that would be interesting, even though I am somebody that knows so little about music, whereas I feel like I know a lot about the Quake, Champ- the Quake Champion scene because I spent so much time watching it, I spent so much time talking to people, following the scene. I feel like uh, I have, I understand it a lot better than I understand music mm-hmm. and music creation. So that's why it was, it was a bit difficult. And yeah, at times like he was talking about some stuff that I, I wasn't too sure what it was. So it was like, I want to seem like an expert. I want people to feel like they know what I'm talking about. I don't want to seem lost. Because also I was like afraid that maybe if I seemed lost, he would like tone it down, you know, and be, yeah, be less in depth. But at the same time, I was like, I want to understand actually. And I feel like if I don't understand, well, then probably most of the people watching this show will not understand as well. So it was, it was a bit of a difficult interview, but it wasn't as difficult as I was expecting it to be. And yeah, it's still, uh, it, it was great. <laughs> Definitely got to learn a lot. I don't think I think that all the worries you have about like oh how's I'm, I'm going to come across or whatever what are people going to think of what I said or 
do they think I'm stupid because I don't understand music? It's like, no, you're just curious. You're you're asking him questions. He's answering them to the best of his ability. Like, I thought it was great. I didn't get that vibe off of you at all. It didn't come across. Oh, thank you. <laughs> in, in any way whatsoever to me, like you, like, oh, this guy. I mean, I could tell that you're not a musician, but that's not important. You don't have to be a musician to talk to a musician. You just kind of like let them tell you their story. Uh, when I talked to Holschult, like I was, I'm pretty comfortable talking about music because I played guitar since I was 12 years old. And but in in cases like that where I, I don't feel like I'm comfortable, sometimes I'll just bring a friend who I know knows more about this than I do, and I'll let them ask some mm-hmm. questions too. Like, it's fun. Um, you can always do that. You don't have to just be alone, man. You you got a whole community of people out there that are just like itching to be part of what you're building, which is again can't say it enough. Like this is cool. This is really cool stuff. So. It actually is a great, uh, great idea that I never really got to do. But, but yeah, like having somebody, like a third person on the show, could be definitely very interesting. But uh, I gotta say, I, I am the type of person that has a comfort zone and kind of struggles to get out of it. I am making efforts to get out of that comfort zone. But, but yeah, like I'll, I'll definitely do it one day. Having three people on the show that could be very, yeah, that could indeed just, be just very jump in. <laughs> just the water's cold, but just jump in and it'll warm up. Don't worry. Yeah. Pee on yourself a bit; it'll warm up around you at least mm-hmm. it'll be fine <laughs> so we talked a lot about all the the positive stuff i, I do want to get not too much i don't want to bash anything but let's talk about some of the more negative aspects of what we've seen so y- you have involvement in the qc reddit yes how have uh, you seen yeah. how have you seen that go down what's what's the deal with qc reddit why is it the way it is <sighs> shit <laughs> it is it is it is such a complicated topic um but yeah let's let's try to explain it from what i've seen disappointment that is the, the number one word that comes to mind disappointment uh, a lot of people that love quake that have been waiting for a quake revival for so many years and yeah that that are just after having spent so much time being hyped after having spent first of all so much time hoping for the game after the game being announced and having spent so much time being hyped about it, around it, and, and seeing that it, it's not really what they expected, that there were a lot of features that that they would have hoped uh, from a Quake game, features such as a server browser, features such as uh, a demo system, features such as very in-depth customization, uh, seeing all that not being included in the game. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just people being very disappointed. And a lot of people left very early. Uh, a lot of people were like, no, this isn't for me. Just too much stuff missing. The game doesn't feel fine. It doesn't feel as good as Quick Live does. So I'm going back to QL. And But a lot of people stuck around. A lot of people who were, yeah, a bit tired of always playing Quick Live, always playing the same maps, always playing the same modes, uh, that wanted something fresh, that wanted something new, uh, that stuck around, that you know, had hope. And I feel like that, that is something that the devs were really good at. It's giving us hope. Uh, and yeah, I, I gave them credits for it. And so a lot of people stayed just hoping that the game would improve. Uh, being like, yeah, I remember CSGO when it first came out. It was actually dog shit. There, there were so many problems with it. And, and now it, it it is so great. It's, it's the greatest uh, CS game that, that there's ever been. And it's only getting better. You know, like people had hope from other examples of Similar situations, and yeah, I feel like people just got more and more disenchanted, and I feel like there are also there are some people that that I got to talk with 
of like just why are you being so negative why are you wasting your time on here complaining if you like you don't like it okay just leave the community like you you don't have to stay here you can just go ahead and be more productive and play the games that you enjoy playing without annoying others a lot of people like yeah but i want to make sure that like quick champions is as negative possible as dead as possible that this way when diabolical comes out more people will transition from great champions to diabolical but overall i think it's just people being extremely disappointed with with quake champions wouldn't it be really cool if the diabolical team were they were actually like all all the trolls that are in quake champions reddit there it's all just the diabolical team trying to <laughs> set up set the stage for themselves that'd actually be a pretty genius idea i hope i mean that, that would be that would be very fun <laughs> but here's the thing they don't need it no they don't they don't need that they they already got the map editor they already got uh, a good engine that, that that runs the game well they already got uh the server browser they, they already have pretty much all the stuff that those people want and yeah but it, it would definitely be like such a it, it, it would be really very funny if it had been that would be diabolical is what it would be yeah if they did that and also, and also here's the thing like reddit I think it's not just the Quake Champions Reddit that's negative. It's just, no, it's like Reddit. It's, it's a trend. It's a trend. Yeah. So I, I used to hang out a lot on the Tribes of Sense Reddit with Archlice Tribes. And we had the same thing. A lot of people being super negative with every update. A lot of people always complaining like, yeah, the, the old tribe games were better. Or also the tribes before the, the new updates, it was, it was better before it was better before. This is shit. You know, like, complaining a lot. And I feel like it, it's something that Reddit sort of allows in a way that isn't the case uh, on Twitter, for example. Because here's the thing, on Twitter, you really have your own profile, like your profile pic, your description. People can really see what you did. And I feel like you're really showing yourself more on Twitter than you are on Reddit. Reddit is more about like being anonymous and pretty much everybody's on the same level in a way. Every voices means the same, which is quite, which is actually actually great, but also means that People feel more free to talk shit. I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure, but I really feel like people let them out a lot more on Reddit than than they do on on Twitter. And yeah, also I guess Reddit has this culture of being as unmoderated as possible, which is also something that is like the approach that we have with the uh, our slash Quake Champions moderation team uh, of removing of like giving people a voice in the sense that the official uh, forums are moderated and if you complain a lot you will well your, your post will be removed you probably get banned and then we're like if people are not happy with the game they have the right not to be happy they have the right to complain about things and that it really seems like it has an effect and the example like councilman for example there was a time quite chapters where he had playlists so you would not be able to choose it, especially uh, specifically the game mode you want to play. And devs had this feature and actually kept it for a while. According to what Sync Error said, the reason they kept it is because it was actually very difficult to go back to it immediately, even though they saw people were negative. But people on Reddit complain and complain nonstop about it, and the feature got removed. And so I really feel like by allowing those people to be super negative, by allowing those people to complain so much, it actually does help the game in a certain way because it, it really means that like if there's a little 
a small problem. People complain they won't have that many things about it, but when there's a change that, that occurs or a change that is needed and you see like threads upon threads upon threads about it, well, then it kind of gives you an idea of how important this problem is. So I feel like there's something good about it. And to be fair, like all the negativity that Create Champions has probably probably kind of deserves it. But it is a difficult question because I, I do wish there were less negativity on the subreddit. But at the same time, I feel like it would not be fair to shut those people down. Like no. Those people are disappointed. If they have the, the right to be disappointed, they have the right to, to share that. And we don't want to... The, the subreddit of a game, in my opinion, is not supposed to be a commercial. It's not supposed to be free advertisements for the game. So th- that that is why I and the rest of the mod team, we don't... We accept the, the negativity that is on it because we want people to feel free to, to get to talk... Uh, but the game here and so what if you want the details with so the stuff that we will actually remove is like the hate talk like if we got some people shitting on the developers community managers and and like that 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 is the thing we'll remove like when you're attacking a company and saying like yeah they don't know what they're doing like it is a lot different than like shitting on somebody specifically and and that is something that we we, we do not tolerate because all, on top of it, you can't really ever blame some one person on the whole problem. Like, if the game has problems, it's not because of one person. It's because of a whole team. It's because of the whole situation. It's because of the, the higher grades. Like, you cannot put the blame on just one person. And on top of it, that, that is how you get into dangerous situations. With like, all the, all the hate and the death threats. And, like, we, we don't want that. So that is why we, we will keep on removing the direct hate speech towards individuals because yeah that is not something that we can stand by but we do accept the negativity no i I think that the negativity in many cases is warranted like constructive criticism it should always be open free that's what free speech is all about is like hey you think this i think that let's come to an agreement or at least talk about it and then having it in the public light allows you to then make a decision based on several different people's opinions instead of like the monarch's opinion like it's at least, you know, hopefully at least if there is a monarch, he takes counsel with wiser people than himself. But that's not always the case. I pretty much hate Reddit, and it's not because of that. It's just that I feel like all, all of Reddit it tends to trend negatively, and that negative stuff bums me out and makes me depressed. I don't want to hear about it. Right. Uh, but also Reddit is a great way to distribute, you know, content. And I think that's magnificent. If you Google something, if you Google, like, is Quake Champions dead? And the first things that's going to come up are like <laughs> probably the the QC subreddit and then like one or two of uh, Smango's videos or something like that. Mm-hmm. And th- those titles can be misleading too because a lot of the time, unfortunately, if you do the SEO on it, if you really look into it, that's like one of the most Googled things that you could find about QC is like de- QC tag dead will come up. And so people will tag their videos like that but they're actually when you when you read the video, it's like actually no, it's uh, it's not dead. It's or these are the reasons yes. why people think it is. Yeah. But but it's just like to try to get you to come to that conversation. And with so that that is so uh, incoming rant. That that is something that annoys me so much. The the whole dead games trend, you know. And I feel like there are so many situations. Where people are like this game is dead, where it is nowhere from being dead. No, a dead game. Paragon is a dead game. Lawbreakers 
is a dead game. You cannot play those games anymore. They are dead. Yes, sure. But Quake Champions is not dead. I mean, honestly, on my take, a game doesn't necessarily have to have its servers shut down for it to be dead. But I feel like as long as you can go into the game, find people to, to play with, well, then the game is not dead. Like, I mean, Reflex. You just go into the Discord, you can find somebody to duel super uh, super easily. Quake Champions, you just queue in Team Deathmatch, you will find a game no matter, make, without a problem if you're in Europe or NA at least. I mean, that, that, that is not a dead game. I feel like a lot, in a lot of people's mind, if a game is not at its peak and is not rising, well, then it's dead. And I, I just I feel like this mindset is so, such a bad mindset. And this idea of constantly having new content. And I'm not saying this to defend Quake Champions because I feel like Quake Champions desperately need some new content, definitely desperately need some new map uh, and server browser, custom maps, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Though it's probably super difficult to implement with the engine that they're working with. But I feel like this idea that it always needs to be new, it always needs to be fresh, always needs to have some changes. I feel like there's, yeah, there's definitely some negativity in it. And I feel like it, it, it's fine having a... a I wish, for example, that we had more games that would not be supported and that that is fine in a way, you know? A game doesn't need to always have new stuff, new stuff all, all the time. A game doesn't always need to, to have like hundreds of thousands of players. I feel like as long as people can just go into the game and enjoy it, I feel like that's that's what matters the most. And yeah, like you got some people be like, oh, Fortnite is dead, Overwatch is dead. Whereas like Overwatch, Overwatch is on fucking national television, man. Yeah, I don't even yeah, understand like, Overwatch, but man, is it is it doing something for the AFPS community that that is mm-hmm. out there for millions of people to see at any time? Yeah, yeah, and I just feel like it, it's a very it's a very sad thing. The this whole mindset of always yeah, games being dead, games being dead. I just ignore that shit. I I completely I, my idea of Reddit is I come in, I drop the podcast, and remove myself from the situation. If people want to shit on it, like I, I think some some guy, somebody was upset and they were like, "Dude, this I hate the QC Reddit because somebody was like, these people are, uh, I don't know, boring or uninteresting or some shit like that." I'm like, I don't fucking care what that guy thinks. If you were walking down the streets of I don't know, Paris and you saw some guy on the side of the road and he just like screamed out at you like, "You're not interesting," <laughs> are you gonna stop and talk to that guy? <laughs> like, no, he's a crazy person. I just I, I would probably just dab and move on, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, and, and so like with the with the questions I read it, it's also it's also the, uh, it's all about like the vocal minority, you know? Yeah. Like the people who complain will make a lot of more noise. People who are just happy, like people who are happy, like like for example, you've got a new update, a great update that that happens, uh, and, and like a lot of people. That are, they're happy about it, will just upvote it and then move on. Yep. People who are not happy are going to downvote it and leave a comment. And so <laughs> they make a lot more, a lot more noise. Yeah. And then people will like, yeah. And so, for example, someone says like, yeah, this is a good update. Probably going to get upvoted, but nobody's going to answer. Somebody's like, this update is absolute shit. A bunch of people are like, no, this update is good. Or like, yeah, what do you think is shit? Or like, there's a lot of people answering and so making more noises. Give, giving more attention to the person that, that complained in the first place. And 
I feel like there are there are a lot of great people on the subreddit. That is for sure. Like I remember that there was one time like it was so beautiful to see like there was somebody a new player that just posted a clip of them getting a a, a very basic flick in Instagram, like something that pretty much everybody pulls off all the time. And it's like, hey, I'm a new player. I just got this shot. I was really happy about it. And the post got like 200 upvotes, and everyone's like, yeah, good shot. Keep it up. That's what we want. Hope you, hope you get better. And like say. say this community is definitely capable of, of positivity. I remember when the Quake Pro League was announced, there was a lot of people being super happy about it. And yeah, and the thing is, when you're making a new game based on an old uh, franchise, well, then people have, they will expect a lot more from, from this game because they, they will expect pretty much all, all the good shit that they had previously. And that is a problem that Tribes suffered from. And that is also a problem uh, that Quake suffered from. When there are features that are that uh, that are essential to the game that are missing, when there are aspects of the game that are uh, super important and that are that are missing, then people will very much complain about it. And at the same time, you, you know, it's always so difficult, like keeping what makes the game good, while at the same time refreshing it. Because if you just make the same game, with, like HD graphics, but like not change a thing. It's, it's going to flop, you know? Like, you need to bring something new, otherwise it's just the same thing. And that, that is always a very difficult thing to uh, to do. And so, we, yeah, I feel like th- those fans will very easily be disappointed. And on top of it, on top of the fact that they will expect something because of the previous games, because of what came before, well, they've always got always a problem with nostalgia. And and yeah, it's like, in a lot of people's mind, like, the, the I, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't even born when the first Quake came out, but I feel like a lot of people's mind, you know, they have this, yeah, roasting in glasses of how it was before that everything was perfect, that there wasn't a single problem, whereas I'm pretty certain there were some problems, you know? So not and, true. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I feel like it's... Making a new game based on an old franchise is always, yeah, it's always quite quite a difficult thing to say, and Quake Champions has suffered kind of like because of it, whereas I feel like probably... Diabolical, since it doesn't have the Quake name, it won't get all the attention that uh, Quake game Quake game would have. But at the same time, it would be a lot more, it would be less bound by this Quake name, by the what people expect from it. And people would probably be more open to accepting the idea. Like, for example, if Quake Champions had not been called Quake, like a lot of people would have been much more willing to accept uh, the, the whole Champions idea, for instance, which actually turned out to be not that bad. It's it's weird. It, I, I hate I hate having to constantly worry about the balancing of the champions, and I'm glad that they're still working on it. But I feel like it's going to be a perpetual thing that will never stop, and eventually they're just going to they're going to abandon trying to do it, or or it'll just never stop. One of those two, mm-hmm. and that's a big yeah. thing that we see in pretty much every game that has multiple characters or whatever, and something that I think a lot of people miss about. The older quakes, and legitimately, this is a valid complaint in my eyes. Is like, if you want to really see mono a mono, who's the best? I mean, have both people be evenly matched right from the start. The flip side of that is in Quake Champions, you have uh, a lot of the battle goes down before it starts in round based duels, which is currently still ranked, and I think they're planning on making time duels ranked pretty soon. Yes, but. Yeah. Half the battle is picking the champions beforehand, and then you notice who the other person picks, and you got to try to pick something that comes, uh, you know, complements that in such a way that you can take advantage of it. 
and you still have to execute once you're in the game. And different people are better with different champions, and if you're a master of all of them, you, then you only serve to do better. So it's a double-edged sword. It, you know, People are going to have an opinion one way or the other about it. It's interesting, at, at the very least. And I want to ask, yeah. ask you like a, a leading question that I think will shed some light more onto this topic. So where do you see Quake Champions in like five years? Oh. Honestly. Um, all right. So this is something that's been on my mind for a very long time, but I, I never got to quit. So during my interviews, I try to be as positive as possible. You know, I want to like shed some good light on Quake Champions. I don't want to shit by the game too much. And also I've got like this goal of, I don't know, like getting to, I don't know, produce some official content for Quake one day. I've got this dream, this pipe dream of being invited to an event one right. day and getting to cast him. Uh, whatever, I don't know. Maybe doing some official interviews for players, so I'm always like, trying to be as positive as possible because without a doubt, the the devs and the community managers, they don't want any negativity, negativity around the game. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have people complaining. Like there was, for example, uh, some of the pros uh, got threatened of not being invited to, to events uh, before the Quake Pro League if they said anything negative about the game. And so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure around it of not having any negativity. And so I was like, yeah, I kind of want to follow this as well, you know? Uh, and also, it's it's not really fun to be negative. But... No, it's not. So, Quake Champions. Um, honestly, it all boils down to the engine. The the, the Sabre engine, which is, which is a not-so-shit engine, which has a lot of problems... Uh, for optimization, for instance, which has a lot of problem uh, adding features, which has terrible sound. Like, for example, I mean, something that pros have been complaining for so long that that there are a lot of moments where you don't hear crucial sounds. Like, you have somebody uh, come to jump at it and you won't hear it. Uh, or, like, for example, you'll hear somebody come to the left and they'll be actually coming from the right. And, like, there are a lot of problems with the sound and something that they've Thankfully, been addressing a lot in the, all the PTS updates I've been, been putting out, trying to uh, make it better. But from what I've read, it seems like it's still not as good as what you would need from a a game where sound is so crucial to know where the enemy is because you've got no minimap. Um, so you you really need to rely on sound and knowledge to know where the enemy is. Like you should be able to hear the mega the right exactly the right place, exactly the right time to to know where the enemy is. And yeah, there are a lot of problems with sounds. A lot of problem with performances and yeah, no no replays, no uh, server browser, which seem to be a bunch of features that the engine is not really built for that the engine doesn't have, and so so it's a hot take. It's a hot take. What I'm gonna say because I've got no real way of verifying it because I don't work for it. I didn't really get to talk about it with people from it, but from all the information I've gathered and from again some logical sense. Um, Doom Eternal and Quake Champions probably they started working on the, the games maybe like around the same time. We probably plan like around the same time. And so since because of the the success, the huge success that Doom 2016 had, uh, it and Bethesda decided to put all their resources on Doom because yeah, Doom made a lot of money. It was much more certain they knew it was going to work. Uh, so they put all, all their best men and women in uh, to to work on on, the, on a sequel for Doom. Um, and that's where also they put all the money in the same time. Like, yeah, we should probably do a Quake game as well, but we don't have enough enough people to 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 work on it to work uh, to make a full Quake game. So we're gonna work with Saber Studio, which is like you know Russian developers, which have a history of game being very mediocre. 
such as the Master Chief Collection, which was a shit show on its release and took a lot of time to, to get fixed. Um, and yeah, they've never been good for making, they've never been known for making extremely good games. And But the thing is, I guess they were a lot cheaper and they made an offer like, yeah, we could work on the game and make it quite cheap. And so what I imagine is because the, the game looks good. The game has some really beautiful weapon That's models. Absolutely beautiful. That, we'll never take that away from Quake Champions. It's gorgeous. Yeah. The, the, the skins are great. The maps are really good as well. The maps are very good. Honestly, they're super fun maps. Uh, of course, like, uh, it's, um, especially the, the new ones, like Ruins of Sarnath. It's a great map. Uh, Molten Fall. Love this map. So so many great things about the game, like visually and on the, the map level. But And so I feel like id did most of the the art style most of the everything that yeah relies around the how the game looks how the game um what what the game presents to you you know i feel all that is top notch and like definitely on the level of it and i feel like that's what it software did and then uh saber studios well they're the one who know it's saber engine so they got to work on the saber engine they got to code the game on saber engine that's why there were so many problems mm-hmm. um and because i feel like yeah it's just it seems like it seems oversimplified, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure there are so many elements that I am missing or what I am saying because there are elements that I don't have. But I feel like yeah, it's just it's got a very shit engine, which makes the game run super bad. Which is why you've got to tweak every single thing about your computer uh, to make the game feel at least good enough. And it's why even when you play at like 30 ping at 120 FPS, the game will still feel like shit. Will still feel like you've got half the FPS in twice the ping, and I don't even know what what, what was your question in the first place. Uh, essentially, that where do you see Quake Champions in, in five oh, years? Yeah, like, going, going down the line, like how how will it evolve so, or will it? Where do it's... I see Quake Champions? Yeah. Um, I feel like the game will never be fixed. I feel like the game will never be on par performance wise with what a Quake should be like, with what a mother FPS would be like. With like when you compare it to Overwatch, it just feels so much less fluid, so much less smooth. Like, for example, you kill someone in Overwatch, it's snappy, immediate, you know? Yeah, you get satisfying, the, the hit rates feels perfect. Whereas, like, on Quake, I remember, like, so I've been playing a lot of Overwatch recently, and a few days ago, I was like, yeah, I want to play a bit of Quake, and yeah, jumped into some free throw shoots, uh, kill some people. And it felt like, even though I had 30, 40 ping and 100 plus FPS, like, whenever I was killing somebody, there was some delay between the moment I killed them and the moment that they would actually die. You know, it just it doesn't feel snappy at all. It feels very wonky. And I feel like no matter the amount of performance updates they did, it's like something that they can never really bring to what it should really be like. And yeah, like the updates, we're getting like one update every three months. When you look at the battle pass, it contains pretty much just recycled things, some very ugly uh, logos, that probably didn't cost too much to, to create. There are very few new weapon skins. Uh, and they, like, they're, they're, it's pretty much just like weapon... Uh, it, it's, it's actually like more like weapon skins and more like we- uh, new weapons, new proper weapons like we had uh, a lot of before at the beginning. So yeah, we haven't had a new map in I don't even know so, so long. And yeah, just very little content, very few updates. Uh, we've pretty much only got the Quake Pro League and it's like what people are saying in subreddits that it's pretty much in maintenance mode now. But like if they're only going to focus on the esports scene, on making a good time dual mode, on making the game as viable esports as possible. That's why they're mostly working on the, the sound system. 
but yeah, pretty much just adding no no new content. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, it's something I've been saying for so long, and it's I've always been like, yeah, the quick is gonna die soon, quick is gonna die soon. What all people say, and I kind of what I've been saying as well, actually, like not openly, but I feel like when after QuakeCon twenty twenty, after the big Quake Champions tournament, the World Championship, I feel like it's it's just gonna end here. I feel like uh, they're definitely gonna be like, all right. Hope you enjoyed it, and then boom, this is it. Like we're just gonna move on to somebody to something else because the game is really just not really making money. And, and yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like we're gonna get some really nice tournaments with the, the Quake Blow League for like a little bit, a bit under a year now. And yeah, after Quake on twenty twenty, it's gonna be. I feel like it's gonna be it, and then just gotta hope that Diabolical is good. I don't think that Quake is going to die. I don't think that arena first-person shooters will die at, by any means. Like It's absolutely a bright horizon for the genre in general, and we owe a lot of that to the release of Quake Champions. But I feel like the fundamental things that make Quake games great is you know community servers uh, mm. and community maps and you know customizability and having... That's John Carmack's gift to the world was like releasing the Quake source code back in like 97, 96, 97. And we're just not going to get that with Quake Champions. So that makes yeah. me feel like the longevity is finite. I don't know what, what date that finite, you know, point will be, but perhaps that'll be that. There, there will honestly, to be perfectly blunt, the way I imagine. So yeah, they, they will stop developing the game on Quake after Quake on 2020 probably maybe a few months after and then a few years in they will i don't know how long it will take but at some point they will shut down servers i really don't see them you know by giving options for the game i feel like it will end up like lawbreakers honestly that that is that is what i think will happen and i hope not i i seriously hope not i hope that the the game will actually become huge that they'll push out an update that will make the game super (laughs) super smooth i'll i hope that they'll the game to it tech and that everything will have all the features that uh for example doom 2016 had uh like a snap map inside questions could you imagine that <laughs> but i don't think i don't think it will i feel like i feel like it's gonna die <laughs> two things that give me a lot of hope is the a doom eternal will be a massive hit and it's gonna kick total ass mm-hmm. and i can't wait to play it i was very disappointed watching E3 and also not getting any update about it at QuakeCon. Which, by the way, they really didn't talk much of anything new about Quake Champions except for the Pro League at QuakeCon, which is yeah. uh, scary. Maintenance mode. East yeah. Maintenance mode, that's it. But with Doom Eternal, I was a little bit disappointed because I was thinking, like, this is our opportunity to, like, have a great Doom game and they can bring back Doom Deathmatch, like, really do mm-hmm. Doom Deathmatch right. And we could have a, an amazing, perfect, you know awesome triple a version of an arena first person shooter that everyone can enjoy and it would be fantastic and it seems like they're going with this uh battle mode which i mean it could be fun for like a week and then i'm probably never going to touch it again to be honest so maybe they'll release that down the line or they have plans and they just don't want to like show it yet until they get it absolutely right i'm not sure I really hope that Bethesda is not so blind as to neglect what made Doom so popular in the first place, which was deathmatching. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is complicated. 
Yeah, sorry, you, you, you were saying? Oh, no, it's, I was going to say the, the buzz about them potentially working with machine games to create like a reimagining of the original Lovecraftian Quake would yeah. mean a tremendous amount to me because I love Quake World so much. And I think that if they do a really cool uh, single-player campaign uh, like that and then also add in, if, if they use EdTech or something like that, they add in a really good multiplayer game, that could also revitalize Quake in a lot of ways. But regardless, Quake one way or the other, I don't even care about the name Quake. Like I love Quake. I've always I'm always gonna love Quake. But if it doesn't have to be called Quake for me, like if it's diabolical, if it's Warfork, if it's I don't give a shit, man. I just want to keep playing games like this. Yeah. You had a thought. So I feel like the, the future of Quake Champions is oh, dire, I guess. That very, very few things that are gonna happen. But I feel like, indeed, the future of the arena FPS genre has, yeah, a lot of potentials. And I feel like it's 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 a genre that's been so big for so long that it, it can't ever really die. And I feel like, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed with Doom Eternal seeing that we're not going to have classic deathmatch uh, multiplayer like we like pretty much all of us hoped. But maybe it will down the road. I don't know. Um, the the Quake reboot, it would it would be lovely. It would it would have a lot of potential, definitely. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that that would actually be be great as well. But I once again don't don't have any information about it because yeah, it's pretty much only rumors. But it would be absolutely lovely. We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I feel like that body call has a lot of potential, uh, and I feel like. It needs to be free to play, first of all. Like that is a must. Like honestly, I don't ever see seeing it succeed without it being free to play because it is it's new. It's a it's a new franchise. So you won't have a lot of people buying it like, oh, it's the, the it's like the, the sequel to this game that I like, so I'm gonna buy it. No, like you'll have a lot of people buy it. Like you'll have all the, the tryhard uh or FPS fans that are gonna buy it because they've been following it, but for most people they really won't know what, what it is and They'll probably just see a game that looks super difficult that they're gonna get stomped on, and if it's not free to play, they're not gonna try it. And yeah, I feel like it needs to be free to play, and it needs also to have a good matchmaking so that new players can get to play between each other and not get stomped too much. Uh, it needs to be accessible. It needs to have some good tutorials. It needs to not hide its mechanics, and yeah, have good ways of teaching. Like for example, how to strafe jump to the players, to teaching players that they can. Uh, rocket jump teaching players what each items do uh and if like if it does this successfully and if it actually does eventually come out well then it will probably has potential to be to be a good hit and yeah it probably won't be a huge game but probably like one of the biggest thing we've seen in your fps in, in a while and, and yeah at the same time yeah that that is probably what i what i see for Di- diabolical which i hope which i am very looking very much looking forward all right, man. Well, I've pretty much exhausted all of my efforts to ask you questions. So I know you have to go take care of Grandma Shazik here pretty soon. Yeah. So is there any closing thought you want to give? I feel like we just got on like a long tangent of sort of a bummer, but I want to leave on a positive note. So yeah. What do you got? Um, so first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's something that I've <laughs> kind of hoped that, yeah, getting like when you get to interview a lot of people, uh, I've always been like, oh, what if 
I were the one being interviewed, what, what would that be like? Because yeah. it's also something that I kind of struggle with. Uh, and I had some people telling me that I should talk more during my interviews rather than just only asking questions. I was going to say uh, that. <laughs> which is something that I'll be definitely try, try, trying to do. And yeah, I'm really grateful that I got to have this opportunity. So thank you. Thank you, Marlo. Thank you for, uh, for having me. For, thanks for all that you do for the, for the Arena FPS community. It is, it is really amazing. And I'm really glad that thanks to you, we've got this wealth of content around the Arena FPS that is like at the same place. You know, it, it's just, it's really great to see. And yeah, I really admire your approach to really giving all those people that don't really um, get to have a voice, giving them a voice, I feel like, and you know, putting a spotlight on them. It's really, it's really amazing. And all the terms that you do, the promotion of the upcoming unknown Arena FPSs, that all that is. It's really amazing and so yeah so f- thank you very much for for having me here um thanks for the Dorina fps community for for being amazing and yeah what else what else what else can i say uh i'm not too sure but yeah we're gonna have some some really good stuff that i, I feel like it's never gonna be i don't think that Arena fps is gonna come back as like the huge thing in the center thing that it was before, but I definitely feel like we'll have some really good games in the future, some really fun games. Some, yeah, and we will, we will keep on fragging. No, man. And, uh, I, that was it. Thank you, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to us, and and thank you for having me. No, I really appreciate everything that you do as well, man. You're amazing. Honestly, I've been a big fan for a long time. I'm not going to say I'm like your super fan, but I've always like known your name. Like Shazik's going to be like <laughs> someone I need to talk to. You. So. I very much appreciate it. I really appreciate you being encouraging and stuff. Like I messaged you on Twitter quite a while ago and you were like, Oh dude, it's so cool to like hear from other quake journalists. And I like never even thought of myself as a journalist. I was just like, ah, it all happens organically, but thank you for like encouraging me to do this as well. And let's get out of here, man. Bonsoir, mon ami. <laughs> <laughs>